to more to come. PW Comic World's weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing. Uh, recorded and live from PW's offices in New York City. I'm Calvin Reed, a senior news editor of Publishers Weekly and co-editor of PW Comics World. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. All right, this week, uh, recorded live in the offices of New York, I've got the great pleasure of uh, talking with uh, comics artist Josh Newfield, novelist Sari Wilson. Did I get that right? I think Absolutely. I did. Um Perfect. Uh, 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 author of, of a very recent novel, Girl Through Glass, just published, I think, by HarperCollins. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. Uh, singly, but they also are married and uh, uh, the ultimate collaboration, um, you could say. But they've also collaborated on uh, on a book called Flash, Sudden Stories in Comics and Prose. Uh, and it's bringing together um, uh, comics writers short fiction writers to come up with a really unusual, eccentric form. Um, uh, Josh and, and Sari, thank you so much for being on More to Come. Thank you for having us here, Calvin. It's really a treat. Um, uh, well, I've known Josh uh, for many years. I've, I've known about you. I mean, we, we've met, I think, we've before. Met but at various but I, functions. Yeah, but kind of briefly. Functions, yes. Um, uh, I think we were talking a little bit. I think uh, I met you about around the time of Titans of Finance. Uh, uh, I mean, I should be more clear. I mean, you are a primarily nonfiction comics, journalism. Um, some of your books really, um, you know, I, you know, the word acclaimed. I, I think it's okay to to, to say that. Um, uh, certainly, I've got everything written down here. A.D. New Orleans uh, after the deluge. Uh, really, did uh, you talk with five survivors of Katrina? Um, started as a web comic, mm-hmm. uh, really a superb piece of, of journalism. Uh, the Influencing Machine, done with Brooke Gladstone, um, a history of and sort of reflection on the impact of journalism. Uh, and while I'm a big fan of yours, I'm a virtually a groupie of Brooke Gladstone. So <laughs> being able to interview he, the both of you here in the offices uh, was really a lot of fun. Um, uh, and what... But I can go on and on. Um, would you tell, t- t- tell us a little bit about your background as a nonfiction comics artist? Yeah, uh, and first of all, thank you for having us on. Sure. I'm really excited. Um, yeah, I guess my, my evolution as a cartoonist started, you know, when I was in high school, I wanted to draw superhero comics. Then mm-hmm. I kind of lost interest in that and was searching around for, for what would, uh, you know, get me engaged again with comic storytelling, and I discovered Harvey Picar and David mm-hmm. Greenberger and other people doing nonfiction comics, and I was just immediately um, just uh, captivated by that and determined to do something similar. Um, I I didn't really have any uh, confidence in my own ability as a writer at that point, mm. so what I did was I I begged both of them to let me illustrate their stories, and I was fortunate enough to to um, get hired and uh, worked, I worked with Harvey Picar for 15 years, mm-hmm. um, which was an amazing mm-hmm. honor to, you know, get to help tell this this lifelong autobiographical story that he was crafting. For those that, for our fans out there who may not know uh, about the late Harvey Picar, I mean, uh, there was a great film, American Splendor. Yes. Uh, he, in some ways, he's sort of the... Uh, the father of um, n- contemporary autobiographical comics. He yeah. really kind of created comics about everyday life that were heroic in their own way. 
um, just for our fans. And he's a son of Cleveland in a time yeah. of Cleveland, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, triumphant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, mm-hmm. I think I, I, don't know, I don't know how Harvey was really that big into sports, but I think he might have enjoyed this. I think um, he had his periods of being into sports yeah. more than others, and uh, yeah, I don't know how he would be able to handle being a winner for once. Uh, yeah, really difficult. It's really depressing. I know. Yeah, it would be interesting to, to have him do a comic about that. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, Harvey actually wrote. Uh, reviews for me for a few years. Oh, is that right? One of the most bizarre experiences I think I've ever had <laughs> as an bet. editor. Well, I got mysterious phone calls as I used to tell Harvey, Harvey, if we're not paying you fast enough, just let me know and we'll get you the money. And But of course, Harvey found ways of calling people at Reed Elsevier, the, the, Mac, you know, the giant octopus-like corporation that used to own Publishers Weekly, uh, and I would get mysterious calls from the finance department saying, "Do you know this guy who's calling about his his like fifty dollar check?" And I said, "No." Yeah, Harvey, that's I Harvey. Harvey. So he he would he could he find he could find the money, the money guys. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's my Harvey Picard story. Yeah. And anyway. Yes, that's right. So he could find the bureau. He could navigate bureaucracies, of course. Exactly. Um, but when did you get started? When uh, what 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 some of your uh, when did you first start doing uh, comics? Oh, oh get, mean, give me a year. I just want to. Yeah, kinda... I I guess I started getting published again, doing the kind of work I do now, probably in the mid nineties, ninety five, ninety six, something like that. And then I I basically through both Sari's influence, who was who was a beginning fiction writer of her own at that point and starting to take courses and things um, and then also absorbing what lessons I could from working with Harvey Picar mm. started to try to formulate a way to write my own stories and I started with um, basically my own my own life um, stories that that uh, really were, were um, popular uh, uh, amongst our friends and and uh, cohorts at bars or whatever mm-hmm. about our um, adventures backpacking. Sari and I had gone on this long backpacking adventure in the early 90s where we had gone through Southeast Asia and then we had gotten a one-way flight to Singapore to, mm-hmm. to from there to Italy and we and ended up in Czech Prague. Republic we lived in the Czech year. Republic for Now these were the stories years. or at least some of them that were in A Few Perfect Hours? Exactly. So mm-hmm. those stories ended up first in this comic Keyhole that I did Mm-hmm. Um, with uh, with Dean Haspiel as a two man anthology, and that was published eventually by Top Shelf, and then um, I the collected Zurich. some of those stories, and I got the Zurich grant um, in early two thousand two thousand and four, mm-hmm. and published that as a book of of travel stories. And by then, I was feeling um, much more confident as a writer. And uh, at the around the same time, and ironically, when Hurricane Katrina happened. I was starting to lose interest in my own stories, like mm. in my own life and navel-gazing and getting much more interested in other people's <laughs> stories. You mentioned Titans of Finance. That was a collaboration I did with Rob Walker, who's a, a pretty well-known journalist. Mm-hmm. Um, and those were f- stories of the business world. And uh, Business so, world shenanigans. Business world shenanigans, <laughs> exactly. Um, I, mean, Ron Perl- I mean, reports of Ron uh, Perlman. And yeah, he, yeah. I, was it about the Marvel takeover? I've kind of yeah, forgotten yeah, now. Yeah, there. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So, and, um, and several others. I can't quite yeah. remember all the people that were There's in There's a the guy book. named Chainsaw Al Dunlap that was known for going in and, and basically... Uh, 
cutting down companies, like yes. you know, taking them over, yeah, laying everybody, everybody off, yeah, and making mm-hmm. a ton of money, and then moving on yeah. to the next one. So there, there were a bunch of those kinds of characters, and 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 then some of them, <clears throat> even though the stories were like parodies or satire. Well, they were all based on press <clears throat> accounts, but they were told in a very arch sort of style. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so they th- those those were uh, were my entree into journalism and comics, mm-hmm. and w- which was at the same time that I was starting to become a huge fan of Joe Sacco's work. Uh-huh. So um, his work on on uh, you know conflicts in the Middle East sure. and, yeah, and Palestine, like Palestine and in the, in yeah. the former um, <clears throat> the former Yugoslavia, yes, yeah. those things yeah. were incredibly important and influential yeah, for me no. even before I knew that I wanted to do something like that just such an admirer of his work and and like just the methodical and and like absolutely uh on the mark journalism that was being done and then being beautifully illustrated um was really uh it ended up being a big influence on my own work when it came to doing ad um and and sort of that's the path that i've been on since then including even getting a journalism fellowship along the way that's right. You were a what's it say a Knight Wallace fellow, Knight Wallace fellow and I think the first or be the only cartoonist. To I get was in the it. only long form cartoonist mm-hmm. that they'd ever given it to. I think a couple of editorial cartoonists, like gag, you know, right, mm-hmm. one panel editorial cartoons had gotten. Mm-hmm. It. And actually, I'm very proud to say that they have now um, uh, admitted another long form cartoonist, a guy that I brought to them and wrote the letter of recommendation for so I'm very proud very cool. who is it his name's Josh Kramer so they only bring in people named Josh clearly but, uh, <laughs> okay he's going to be there starting off this is uh, a wacky world September. of cartooning yeah. ladies and gentlemen <laughs> there you go we've admitted one cartoonist before named Josh yeah, so, so this one's got to be yeah. good too there you go <laughs> um, well now one of the things actually uh, I, I want to because this will bring uh, Sari in again um, is um, Activate. You were a co-founder of Activate, which was originally one of these the ten online founders of Activate. Yeah, I know a lot of people, including including Dean. Yes, uh, he was really the um, uh, But it was also kind of revolutionary. It was online comics, uh, and um, AD started as a web comic That's on true. Smith Smith That's Magazine, true. that yeah. the online. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I found yeah. the web to be an amazing. And you wrote some stories too. Excuse me, did you wrote some I, stories for I, the Activate? I I did well. There was the beat. Uh, the, yeah, the one the, about the, Brooklyn the and the beekeeper. Yeah, that, yeah. that, yeah. that was on Smith. Oh, that magazine. was on Smith. Yeah, yeah. yeah. which is where AD first ran. Oh, it's on Smith. Right. Okay, right. Yeah. 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 But the, but tell us a little bit about Activate because I, I think even though the website is still up, I, I'm not yeah. sure how active it is as it used to be. Yeah, it's like. But there's a now. but there's a huge <laughs> amount of content still up <laughs> there. There is. There is. Yeah. A great was, comics. It was. It was. Uh, I guess. Uh, I mean, not really a groundbreaker because there had been a lot of web comics, but it was it was a really hot, good collection of talent. I mean, mm. it was Dan Goldman, Dean Haspiel, Nick Bertozzi, yes, a uh, bunch of other good people, um, and they've continued to have really talented folks. People who are making money, uh, you know, making comics. Simon Fraser is another guy who's yeah. very involved. Mm-hmm. People who are doing uh, comics professionally, but were using Activate as a way to get some of their own personal stories mm-hmm. out there, their own pro- their passion projects. Yeah. And yeah, it was a bit kept on a very strict schedule. You could sort of always count on new content every day mm-hmm. and um, your regular uh, stories being updated regularly. So for the first couple of years, it was a really um, cool thing and in the web 1.0 or 2.0 period. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was really, I was really happy to be involved. I was not one of the better, more frequent contributors. You know, mm-hmm. I would say that the other people I yeah. mentioned were we're definitely doing stuff. And a lot of the projects that started and activate ended up getting published yeah. in book form later. 
Um, so I was, I was happy to just be a, a, a tag-along member of the gang. And I, mm. I, I went to high school with Dean in Hasbill. We went to music and art yeah. high school at LaGuardia now. And Dean has just always been there to invite me along with whatever project he's doing. And well, I'm you guys are that rare commodity, that. and you as well, native New Yorkers. I know. Yeah. We're, yeah. We're, yeah, we're in the minority. They're always, you're always yeah. around. They're always around. But, you know, I mean, New York, New music, York you can tell, so in some many. ways, you can tell you're from New York if you're not. You're a New Yorker if you're almost not from New York. I mean, because there's so many people that are coming here. Yeah, I always say the best New Yorkers are the ones who are drawn here from other places and just have to be here, and they make the most of, of, of being here. Whereas most of us native New Yorkers are kind of like bitter, just, cranky people who don't emerge from Well, there you, you know, go. Well, well, you're you're still here, so we you are, know you're a little here. different. Well, we we left and yeah. then we came back. Yeah, so I, I think that I has think a big that part was important. Of it. I see that. Was important as well, I'm one of those people that was determined to get to New York by any means necessary. Really? Yeah, so I, you, I, I was born in Washington, D.C. We okay. grew up there. Okay. Oh, um, that backwater. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's a nice town, and I'm glad to be from it. We love you, D.C., but, but we love you from New York. Um, uh, Siri, your novel came out this year. Tell us a little bit about it. Uh, well, this is, so this, this was my passion project. You know, right. I've, I've worked on it. It's called mm -hmm. Girl Through Glass, mm -hmm. and uh, I'm calling it a literary mystery. Mm -hmm. So it's 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 a it's about um, well set in the in the in Brooklyn partially in Brooklyn in the ballet world 1970s New York City mm -hmm. so that kind of lost world and that's your background you yeah, were a yeah. former you were formerly a dancer or or aspiring to be a dancer I, I, I right? was I was trained uh -huh. as a dancer uh -huh. when I was young I left the dance world when I was in college I left the ballet world about 15 but I was I was very I was very devoted childhood mm -hmm. dancer and and it was really my passion when I was young so yes I was drawing on my own memories of my childhood and and also the ballet world at that time which was very much controlled by um, the, the, the the Russians mm -hmm. who had defected and there was a lot of glamour associated with it and there was balance it was Balanchine. the height of the Balanchine mm -hmm. era so mm -hmm. it was a very particular Barishnikov. time Barishnikov and and it was a very particular time when ballet was in the mainstream and I wanted to write about what I felt like was this kind of lost world of my childhood when I came back to New York City. Mm -hmm. So anyway, that's the setting. Mm -hmm. It's also follows a girl named Mira, who's not me, um, and she's really <laughs> a fictional character, but but she journeys through this world, and it's her coming of age story. And it's all there's another storyline which is about a, a professor, a dance mm -hmm. history professor who gets a mysterious letter from her past that sends her. Going back in time to her, her to her childhood and um, trying to uncover like a kind of mm. personal mystery. So, so these two things are like these two storylines come together, yeah. mm. and um, and it's get and 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 I and it's been well received. It's been really well received. It's gotten some great reviews. It got a great review from lots of people. I'm only going to read the one from PW. Yeah, because. Of you know, that's what's paying the bills here. You know I what I'm know. saying? I'm, um, I'm and I'm wondering to see if I can find a really great line here. Um, uh, let's see. Mira and Maurice's, who's a, a, another character that is very yeah. important in the plot. Yeah. Um, a relationship has the fairy tale feel of Beauty and the Beast, but the pages brim with the realism of the gritty crime little New York City, especially as the plot ricochets towards a surprising and bittersweet merging of Kate and Mira's story. Uh, Wilson writes lovingly of ballet and elevates 
the coming of age story with a dark undercurrent about the cost of obsession. So, amen. There you go. So, yeah, uh, yeah. get out there and and buy a copy. All right. I, I love that gritty, the gritty and the fairy tale because those, those are really two things I was trying to go. I was trying to get in one place. You know, novel works by by contrast, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm, sure. So the the kind of fairy tale aspect of of you know that the way that that world functions. And the melodrama of that ballet world, and then this urban, this gritty urban. Setting. And certainly the reality of New York in the 1970s, yeah. uh, which I don't think anybody associates with, with ballet. Though indeed, of course, ballet was obviously huge. It, but I mean, when we think of New York in the 70s, we think of so much blight yeah. uh, and yeah. and crime and dis yeah. and social dysfunction. Yeah. Uh, I don't think we often connect it with like some of the great classical arts. Right. But right. You, you've managed to come up with that connection. But yeah. in ballet was <laughs> such a, 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 a refuge from all that. You mm -hmm. know? Yeah. It was almost like creating this fairy tale world that really yeah. had nothing to do anymore yeah. with what yeah. everyday life was like, right. but that was where people who really couldn't handle yeah. what was going yeah. on yeah. outside. I think that's true. You know, would, I, I mean, I don't talk to. about it, but I, you know, this little white girl from Brooklyn like I felt lost in this urban landscape a lot of, and, and I found this kind of respite which ended up being quite dangerous place actually yeah <laughs> you know, it has its own yeah. it had its own um the ballet world that's interesting yeah and that's what the moral complexities yeah. and, I see. and 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 and, 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 characters, and like this character is like oh. you know so just a lot of complexity in that world and moral dangers but um, it, at first, it seemed like this kind yeah. of uh, safe haven, you know, these studios mm -hmm. where you could go and you could just listen. You know, you would put on your tights and leotard, and you would. You could throw yourself dance. back into the seventeenth century, and, 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 and right, and this European art form that had been brought over, and and kind of, um, you know, just plopped down yeah. away in the middle of this social upheaval. It was a very yeah. odd yeah. time. You yeah. Know? So I was very interested in that. Well, the seventies remain a very fertile yeah, <laughs> period, right. you know, uh, in New York and elsewhere. Right. You know what? We're going to segue back now to Flash because this is this is something that we want to talk about. And I really want to uh, uh, hear you talk a little bit about collaborating uh, between the two of you, but also uh, between the artists that you bring into this this really unusual project. Um, so, you know, either one of you I, first. T tell us about Flash Fiction. And then how you've gotten to what, you know, I've sort of called this sort of exquisite corpse kind of project being, you know, the, the art kind of exercise where you bring a number of people together to respond, each doing their own part of an art project, be it, you know, a visual art or writing. Yeah. And then you come, then you have a, a whole new thing based by based on the input of like different artists and and that's in some ways that's the rough outline of what you're doing with flash yeah if i could just jump in quickly about that i was thinking that um uh uh when when sari and i first met um i was doing really poor genre comics basically illustrating other people's scripts people were all, we were all trying to get in you know professional work and it was very uninspiring and Sari was just starting to write, really. I mean, we've known each other. We've been together since we were, like, 20 babies. We were, like, 21. When did you first you know? meet? We first met at the Nation, at the Nation Magazine. Magazine. Huh. She and was right an intern. I was, like, the guy who... 21. Who 
restocked the, the bathroom with toilet paper and sold back issues, you know. <laughs> so, so you knew he was going places, yeah, huh? Right, yeah. <laughs> that's the guy. Uh, yeah, that's I the know. guy for me, yeah. The guy's, so, the the guy's stuck in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> you know what you like. Yeah. <laughs> and wow. There you go. It yeah, it's like, like a lucrative yeah. <laughs> But um, she was just, you were really just teaching yourself to write at that point. And a lot of the writing that she did was really wild and, and nothing I had ever seen before. Mm -hmm. Of course, when we met, you know, we have to share our passions and stuff. I'm making cool. her print tapes to try to get her to print. Yeah, there you go. She's showing me her writing. and <laughs> I like um, the anatomy of a love affair. I'm, lo I'm loving this. Keep going. <laughs> uh, we would share our little half carafe of wine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the soul of collaboration. <laughs> yes. <laughs> love on a budget. <laughs> exactly. Oh, my God. The Nation Magazine. We're talking about total budget. Yeah. $75 a week. There you yeah. go. Yeah. There you I go. wasn't making much more as actual staff. <laughs> But um, I, I was really taken with her writing, and you know it's funny I think back on it now because a lot of it was it was pretty short. It, it was sort of like it didn't really have like it was it was these snippets. It was these moments that you were trying vignettes. to capture. They it's were true. vignettes. You they called them vignettes, vignettes but them vignettes. I think yeah. now we might call them a something flash akin fiction. to flash fiction. Yes. And right. later on, I remember when we were in Chicago. You know, flash forward yeah. a few years. You actually started writing a couple of vignettes. You were writing vignettes with yes, it, in, a, in a class you were taking. And yeah. again, those really have a similar... And mm. I was also, as I was expanding my own repertoire as a writer, um, in Keyhole, I would do these little short pieces that, again, have mm. that same feeling. They, they, they really just hit you, you know, with something really mm. so can you So can you def define flash fiction, which is a form and kind of a movement? Yeah, it's do. become a so, movement. Yeah. Yeah. So de define it for our, our listeners. Well, we, we, we had... It, or a rough, it's, it's, you know. it's defined all different ways. But for yeah. the purposes of our anthology, I, we defined it as a thousand words or less. Isn't that right? Yes. Yes. And we had to go back and forth on that word count mm. a bit. But that seemed to be an acceptable uh, a, a way to, you know, that's generally accepted. And... Um, I so short that, fiction. Yeah, so short fiction. So so we're talking about fiction, and mm -hmm. we're talking about for prose, a thousand words or less, mm. which I think is about six pages. You know, no more than six pages. Mm. So you have to get in more and like out. Uh, it's it's less? a little less than that. Yeah. Okay, isn't, uh, isn't it like a page double space about 250, 250 words? 250 words, yeah. So, so four. <clears throat> yeah, so yeah. four. Um, and then we kind of struggled to, th to define what that would mean for comics. Because yeah, you're also, you know, we're talking about pairing them with short comics. With short comics. Yeah. And we don't, there's not really the flash fiction term for comics, so... Other than we, mini comics? We, <laughs> but, yeah, but, but that's, that's a different. different yeah, yeah that's, that's really different. That's the, that's, so know, it really, there isn't so an exact no, there isn't comparable comics form. No, there isn't a vignette. We called it a vignette. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. we, and in, our approach, in our email in which we approach the creators, we... We, Josh, this was part of your job because he approached the comics creators and I approached the prose writers. I could read sort of a, a snippet of what we wrote as why sure. we were choosing mm -hmm. flash fiction to the people that we were. Why did we? Why did we choose flash fiction? Why that form? It's a vibrant form of fiction, flying under the radar, democratically practiced both in MFA environments and throughout the writing uh, community. And it's perfect for a project that was about pushing boundaries and cross-fertilization. Um, and I think most of all, what we were really, um, what we thought would, would be the, the connecting tissue was that each piece sort of is like, an, it's a, this condensed form that has, that has 
so much energy to it um, and just seemed to translate well across both forms. Like if people didn't even know they were making flash fiction in comics form, Mm -hmm. If you read uh, literary anthologies like Mome or mm -hmm. uh, Drawing Quarterly, sure. s stuff like that, you'll find that you know a lot of pieces really have that same quality. So we we yeah. saw like a connection in that form of writing across both comics and prose yeah. already, and Thank that was what yeah. appealed mm -hmm. to us as people who already practice comics and prose. Yeah, and the other thing now that I'm, I'm really is that you that in that in this in the shorter form, aside from the constraints of actually publishing a book you know mm -hmm. we had to if we had 20 page comics and 20 page it just wasn't going to work yeah. so so we had to you know this was a project about constraints and about process mm -hmm. so we had to create in a way these artificial constraints in order to see how the process would 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 work but um for for flash fiction you have to isolate as practitioners of narrative form the elements of the form so if you're talking about voice mm -hmm. are you talking about image are you constructing it around images are you really going to mm -hmm. go for narrative but you're going to have to go in and out mm -hmm. you know so what we were interested in a way it, with this form is it's a formalistic experiment yeah. you know it's mm -hmm. a, it's about play but it's also about the constraints of form mm -hmm. and and literature in form talking to each other across these forms so so that was a constraint yeah. that we felt was useful. Because what you've ended up with are <clears throat> these three-part literary visual exercises. Yeah, triptychs. Triptychs, exactly. And some of them start with a comics, and mm -hmm. I assume the subsequent artists responded to that initial one. And some of them start with a prose work. And, and it goes, and they alternate. Prose, comics, prose, comics, prose, comics. And some of the artists. Uh, and that's the other thing. How'd you find people? Are there just a bunch of cartoonists and prose writers here just dying to like go into this spectacularly eccentric form? Or... Apparently so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, tell us some of the people are, that, are, that are involved because you've got, uh, there's, some, there's some absolutely fabulous uh, comics artists as well as uh, prose writers in it. Yeah, I mean, I was just amazed at the, at the people who did say yes. You yeah. know, we would send it an email out to people that we either knew professionally or Admired. never had even mm -hmm. met. And I don't think anybody turned us down. I mean, maybe a couple of people I can't even remember at this point. But yeah, some of the people, some of the cartoonists, and then you can name some of the writers, uh, Linda Berry, Gabrielle Bell, um, Jessica Abel, Nick Bertozzi, mm -hmm. Dean Haspiel, Box Brown, uh, Andrea Sarumi, John Porcellino. I mean, it's an yeah, amazing Yeah, it's a who's who of like yeah. cool comics artists. <laughs> Um, and on the then, pro side, yeah. On the pro side, we we, we have um, uh, well, Myla Goldberg. Yes, yes, yes. Sheila Hetty. Yes. Um, Juno Diaz. Juno yes, Diaz. Yes, of course. Yeah. Yes. Um, Gina Frangello, who's an amazing novelist. Um, Pamela Painter, who is is a is one of the gurus in the flash fiction movement. Um, Steve Almond Steve, also. Steve mm -hmm. Almond. Um, we have a poet, Joy Katz, a wonderful poet. Amy Bender, also mm -hmm. really, really yeah. great mm -hmm. vignette and short fiction writer. Um, Sugi, I saying her last name is. I don't even know why you, get, you've I, made yourself. <laughs> well, there's another guy there, VV, that I'm not even going to yeah, attempt that's either. Yeah. That's Sugi. She's. Oh, is it? Yeah, I'm Sugi. not even going to try it. I'm so sorry. I, I was actually practicing it, and then I said, you know what? I'm not going to do it anyway. Um, um, yeah, I mean, Julie Fiaro, who's, who's, whose first novel came out, Cutting Teeth, last mm -hmm. 
last year to great acclaim. Um, Travis Holland, also wonderful, wonderful novelist. Tara, you know, so mm-hmm. some really big flash fiction writers. Um, and it was also interesting that we, we got we got writers who hadn't really written in flash fiction <clears throat> professionally before mm-hmm. who. Um, we just thought would you know would knock it out of the park, and they just came to the forum like so instinctually. Uh-huh. And so many writers loved the idea of working with cartoonists. Like uh-huh. they loved that they would be rubbing shoulders with the comics forum that way, even if it was you know they're not actually making comics, but yeah. they're responding to a, a comics piece, or they know that their piece will be um, responded to by a cartoonist. They that mm. that was definitely a selling point for the writers. So did you just shoot emails off to you know whoever you pop into your head? Like if I want, you well, know, we I want did, Juno Diaz. What did we do? We we worked closely with Robert Stapleton, who was the publisher at Press Gang, who's, mm-hmm. who's you know who commissioned this from us, and. Uh, we all had a wish list of people that whose work we really liked. Um, who in the you know obviously we have our own community of friends and associates and colleagues and people have been on programs with each other, with us and stuff. Um, but uh, I guess the first thing we did was we we looked for like the initial pieces that would start the whole thing off. Mm-hmm. So in that way, we were kind of combing through <coughs> other anthologies and stories that had just stuck in our minds over the years. I remember like Jessica Abel's piece. Um, in the book, uh, mile, mile marker was something yes. that I remembered mm-hmm. back from Art Babe days. You know, oh, yeah. going mm-hmm. back to like the nineties. Yeah, her early um, comic stories. That, yeah, piece that really stuck with me. We knew each other back when we both lived in Chicago. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, I just remembered that piece so well, and that Juno Diaz story that's in there as well is one that we um, had always that we had read in the New Yorker, I think, the first yeah. time, and had talked mm-hmm. about it. So, so they were in pieces that inspired us, and that we thought. Uh, represented the flash fiction form and the literary el- the kind of the, the kind of types of fiction that we were going for and would like to see cross genre. And, and what and was then, important too is that we found pieces that had a kind of open endedness to them, like mm-hmm. they couldn't just be this perfectly self-contained little jewel because it needed each story needed to be reopened and mm-hmm. in some way responded to by whoever was going you know was next in the in the process, and that meant whether it would be a, a character that they would pick up on or a particular, particular thematic element or um, even, you know, just a word or a phrase, but it had to leave something mm-hmm. still open to be to, mm-hmm. to be explored. How did you match up the artists? How did you decide to do it? Trial and error? Or? No, we. that's where we felt like um, <clears throat> as curators we could really, as mm-hmm. editors, we could really make a stamp on this project. Uh-huh. So we thought about, the, so for example, Jessica Abel's piece, Mile Marker, we thought, well, you know, what are the elements in the story and who's, who's re- who could we see, mm-hmm. who would we like to see respond to this piece sure. and see mm-hmm. what they did with it? So Anthony Tognazzini is, is, a, is a really interesting mm-hmm. flash fiction writer, edgy, Someone we actually knew when we lived in Prague, too. We knew when we mm-hmm. were in back. Prague years yeah. ago. And I thought, you know what, I just... I don't know. It's almost intuitive. You're right. The project is a bit eccentric, you know, and, and so it's 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 about that's why it's cool. <laughs> yeah, it's an art project, you know. It in really a way. is, and that's what the um, press gang was looking for. Mm-hmm. You know, almost an art book. So we went to went to um, Anthony and said, "Look, would you do this? And here's the comic. And what do you think?" Uh-huh. So we would send a copy of the comic. Occasionally, mm-hmm. we would send two for the prose writers. We would send two pieces, mm-hmm. and they would get to choose because everyone likes an al- everyone likes to be able to choose. Yeah. But sometimes we didn't. Uh, sometimes we mm. just said, 
this, this is, is it. a piece for you. Are you inspired? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because it's about inspiration, about play. Yeah. And, you know, nine times out of ten, they said, this is so cool. Yeah. I just don't get to do this in my life. You know, professional writers have so many obligations, but most of them are not about creative inspiration and play. So I think that's what they were attracted mm. to. At least the pro- I can speak mm. And I think the cartoonist felt very much like... Uh, ennobled by this idea, yeah. like that they were being like con- t- taken seriously, you know, like they're well, what we're they're living doing in a, a period now well. where I mean, we've all among us here, we've known this uh, for a long time, but we're also living in a period where these barriers are coming down yeah. between you know what's you know acceptable art and what isn't, mm-hmm. and of course, we as we know, comics is, is kind of the 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 beginning, the the uh, the archetypal. Um, trash popular culture right but mm-hmm. but no more right. and mm-hmm. so this is obviously a great exercise mm-hmm. in um, I, I don't not leveling but in removing these barriers yeah. between you know what who is who's the real artist and who not and really we certainly know now that comics you know of whether genre based or literary or whatever you want to call it it's all good art. Yeah. It's all good art. And, right. I, and I 100% agree with you, and that's been the battle I've been fighting on behalf of comics sure. and graphic novels for the last 20 years. But I have to say, at least from my own personal experience, that, and I would probably speak for a number of the other people in this anthology, that as much as you might say that and project that image to the outside world, that inside so many cartoonists <laughs> are these insecure people well, who grew up reading do. trash and they still <laughs> have these... These prejudices that are internalized that sure. uh, that a project like this is a way of, of uh, validating yeah. yourself, you know, yeah. or just or like furthering what you've been saying publicly, but now it's actually being yeah. You're now being you can invited, practice it. You know, yeah, you're, it's it's, it's real. Yeah. <laughs> it's so not just a theory. <laughs> I, I really got that feeling from a, a lot yeah. of contributors, just like they were so psyched to be paired in this way with literature, and I'm putting quotes around quotes there. around literature, yeah. and and I, and so for the prose writers, comics are cool. Comics are hip, mm-hmm. I think. And a lot of literary fiction writers actually are readers of comics. So Kelly Wells, who's a wonderful novelist, when she's a fan of Linda Berry, she draws her own mm-hmm. comics, which oh. I found out through her website. Oh. And I thought, okay, this is a person who under, who who's, whose mind is working in the visual form also. Mm-hmm. So she's going to be in, probably be interested. Yeah. And and she, I thought she just yeah. wrote a beautiful piece in response yeah. Yeah. to um, that Linda Berry Lost Worlds. Well, that's good. And let's actually, I want to ask you, let's, let's I want to throw out um, a couple of the stories and, and hear what you have to say. But in uh, the Night Games uh, segment, which includes the, we the Lost Worlds, um, and uh, it also includes Kelly Wells' Lost Dogs, right? And then Box Brown's story, Photo Illuminator. And to me, they were this, these very lyrical, this, you, what came out of it mm-hmm. uh, were these very lyrical observations, child's, children's observations yeah. about the city. Uh, as night falls, that that sort of is one thing that came out of it. So, but I'm curious how, as you put this together, what were your thoughts? Well, actually, uh, before we get into that, I just want to make one thing clear too. So these these were arranged in triptychs, as mm-hmm. we talked about. It's really important to mention that the third person who was going in the project never even saw the first piece. All ah, they would see was the piece this, right uh, before theirs. So uh, nobody was seeing anything that was done in the same form that they were practicing or knowing you know, where it had okay. come from. So I, we found that really interesting because we would often find these connection, this connective mm-hmm. tissue between all three pieces 
that really was just through the ah, magic cool. of, Very of inspiration. Yeah. It did not come because the uh, third person was sort of trying to... Yeah. Uh, the third person the was very reacting to the second only piece. Only to the second yeah. piece. Oh, very yeah. cool. Very cool. I, I, I just speak for me. I, you know, each of these has its own... Each of these triptychs has its own integrity. I agree with you. For night games, it was about childhood. It was about memory. Mm-hmm. Um, it was lyrical and t- voice-driven. Um, just my that was just my reaction. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I don't. For me, it wasn't so much about the city, but more. I, I think Kelly Wells' Lost Dogs was. I'm not sure it was a city. It felt like they were these kids were up somewhere okay. looking at near a cave, and there were these yeah, moths, well, it could be, and yeah. then there were these bats, um, and they were yes, naming there were bats. things. <laughs> there were bats, and they were naming things, and yes, and the moon was was um, became important for the moths, but then there was a kind of bitter sweet quality to it because it was a there was an element of lost innocence in hers the the moths are actually going to their doom they think they're going up to the moon but they are actually going into the yeah, arms of, yes. the, of the bats mm. um and, Bo- and box seemed to run with that you know i love Bach's that il- you know illuminated that giant illumination and magnetic pull right <laughs> but then he sets it in some kind of dystopic yeah. Like future alternate world, universe. alternate universe, yeah. Yeah. where we have these. I just love this. These, these <laughs> this, this bunch of weary travelers that are never explained. Like one has a tail, one doesn't have a tail, and then one has some kind of just capsule kind of floats, around. floats around with yeah. a capsule they're, on they're head, and they're floating like thingies. Yes. Pilgrimage yeah. to this giant photo illuminator, and it's never explained. But so even and though his, the plot of, of the plot, so to speak, of Vox's mm-hmm. piece diverges com- entirely from Linda Berry's piece, which, which, you know, really comes so much from her own experiences and is very grounded in a sort of uh, childlike, mm-hmm. you know, perspective on the world, there's this, 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 this connection of emotion or of, like, tonality between mm-hmm. her piece and his piece, yeah. which I said they, and as I said, they never saw each other's pieces, yeah. that I just mm-hmm. think is really the magic of what Flashed is all about. And that, that's really why it was, so, I mean, a, as we talk about, I'm, I don't have a background as a fiction, I don't write fiction, I don't mm-hmm. do fiction, but I love fiction as, sure. as a fan, as a, as a reader, and as an admirer of Sari and her work, and, and, uh, uh, getting to getting the privilege of working with these cartoonists and you know tertiarily with the writers as well was just such a thrill mm. for me to work on this project and to feel like I helped make some of this happen. Like it's yeah. just it's 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 really. Uh, well, what's one rewarding. of your favorite? Do you have a favorite or one you want to pull out of the? Or I can throw another one out to the you. One, the one that I always come back to as just like the magic of of. And, and madness of fiction writers is um, is the piece with uh, Gabrielle Bell, Jedediah Barry, and Carol Lay, Mutable Architects. Yeah, yes, yeah, that's I fine. That's one of my list here. That the that whole triptych. It's all uh, yes, it's, but first of all, Gabrielle's piece, the whole yeah, is, is so awesome. A classic. It's a classic, and I remember <laughs> that was a piece that I always. Stuck with a, me. It starts off a classic of urban neurosis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's the queen yeah. of like you know. Uh, yeah. I, I read her books and then, and then you know I'm sort of amused and concerned yes. at the same yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> should, should I go yeah. and check on her? Yeah. <laughs> 
because she has such a quiet form of neurosis. Yeah, it's yes. not like yeah. the New York uh, Woody Allen style of neurosis but, at all. You know, there's a lot of correlations in literary fiction too. Like mm. that, there's this story. You know, the Yellow Wallpaper by Charlotte Gilmore Perkins. It's like right a classic in mm. feminist literature. It was written in maybe early 1900s. Um, a woman in her room, she starts to hallucinate things in her wallpaper and they become more and more ah, interesting. like, like uh, threatening. And so it's really about psych- yeah. like female psychology yeah, yeah. And, and this one woman's, I guess, descent into madness. But it become, it's become a kind of feminist classic. So anyway, when I read her story, I'm also reading The Yellow Wallpaper. Yeah, I see. And mm. I'm also reading Kate Chopin's The yes, Awakening. Yes. Uh-huh. And so... For Gabrielle, I've always found her work, like, there's a lot for me to bring to it from mm. that. So, anyway, so, and then we... Well, that that, that yeah. triptych is, there, there are all of these, I mean, it's like an architecture as this, like, morphing critter. Yes. I yeah. mean, that all, but but not, I shouldn't even say that, because it, it's, it's, it plays with time in, mm-hmm. in the short story. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, there, it, it's, mm-hmm. and, of course, th- you know, rooms mm-hmm. are... Powerful things. They, you know, mm-hmm. you step into certain rooms and they have memory. They have. There's so many things that connect with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and through these three tales, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you feel that because each one kind of, you know, you, you're in this this space that is changing you and acting on you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I like I just, that. One. I just remember that. <laughs> That's one of my faves. Yeah. <laughs> The Jedediah Barry piece, it came in very early in the anthology. It was one of the first responses that we got. It was back in 2013 or something, because this took a while for this mm-hmm. whole thing to come together. And I just remember when we got that story, I literally had a tear in my eye after I read it, but I also thought, this is going to happen. Like, he, this is really real, mm-hmm. this project. Like, he totally got what we were going for. Obviously, we don't give the writers any... any uh, you know directions mm-hmm. they they're to, they're it's it's free reign but he knew like he was in the same in the same zone as us and i just love what he did how he took her story which you know starts out as sort of this uh very prosaic tale of mm-hmm. a, a couple that lives in a you know sort of decaying new york apartment and turns into this great portrait of of as you said neuroses and and relationship anxiety um, and just total surrealism, yeah. Yeah. and then he made it into this beautiful meditation. As you you were talking about about aging and about yeah, um, uh, yeah the memories of rooms and and sort of this this house that every time you go into a new room something yeah. happens. Dreamlike, it is very dreamlike. Too. He, yeah, he, he brought over that element, but of not dreamlike realism. in the way that dreams are, where they don't really make any sense. Like it's beautifully constructed and makes total sense as you go it through it. It has its own inner logic, yeah. The story, but but it uses elements of magical realism or you know surrealism. Mm-hmm. I mean, he tells he so much. He he Gabriel's basically story. he basically encapsulates an entire relationship in in what three pages yeah that is a relationship that goes from being a father addressing a child to a romantic liaison to a son d- 
dealing with his aging mother, you know, yeah. and like right. the, those are all the same yeah. characters. I mean, it's elements. fascinating. Yeah. And in Carol Lay's part of it, this was sort of yeah, malevolent. Her piece really, <laughs> even this was like, like goes into a whole, a whole other territory. First of it, all, it's sort of a combination of prose and yeah, novels. right, because it's it's like a, almost like a script. Yeah, it's an sort of, illustrated script. Yeah, I mean, it has some of the elements of like a children's book or something. Yeah. Uh, but it has, yeah, it has to do with similar character relationships of different ages and then this very malevolent house that's also sentient and uh, <laughs> fantasy elements. I mean, it just goes off into all the great places that Carol led. Yeah. Like, she always takes things and, and finds, like, the, the fairy, t the, the sort of malevolent fairy tale inside. Mm. And so I, I felt like all three of those... Um, uh, connections to that story really were strong. Okay, we're, we're, we're running out of time a little bit, but I, there's no, a couple more things I want to ask talking. you. Believe me, I know. <laughs> but um, uh, one thing I did want to ask you, that, and these, uh, these um, um, engaging uh, uh, and those certainly eccentric projects, how do you bring a sense of, how do you bring editorial control? I mean, how did you, I'm just like you said, you're not telling them what to do. Right. Well, did you edit these pieces? I mean, in, in a project this eccentric, uh, how do you do that? We did edit. You did that, okay. So, uh, I would say, um, yes, quite quite a bit in some cases. And uh, most of the, the writers I worked with were happy to be edited mm -hmm. because cool. they know that an editor is a good thing. Um, so until they're a bad thing. Until they're a bad thing. But I, I agree. I worked on my editing skills. I, as an editor, I wasn't interested in imposing an idea. I was interested in bringing out what I, f I thought was already there and mm -hmm. helping to just clarify it and, sh mm -hmm. and, yeah. and shape it. And 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 in some cases, maybe to bring to to allow the connection to the previous piece. With, yeah. To the, you know to unfold it a little bit to unfold it a little mm -hmm. bit more so yeah and I, I think I had a very similar experience I, mm -hmm. I, one thing I did ask was that all the cartoonists submit a script before they just started drawing so I could just get a sense mm -hmm. we, we would sort of all be at the same place and, and sort of know what was coming um, and there were a couple of scripts that I, I felt like my job was the same thing which was kind of to try to help massage it a little bit to get more to what they were trying to do um, without some of the stuff that was kind of getting mm -hmm. in the way of that. And then sometimes it, the job was just to be a, 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 a person to uh, have them them cry out of their shoulder <laughs> and hold hands and, and encourage and there's control. There's the, the psychotherapeutic part yeah. of editorial. So yeah. bit, I'm not going to name any names, but there definitely was some kind of that was required on the part of some of these uh, comics. Uh, well, the book is called Flashed, Sudden Stories in Comics and Prose, edited by Josh Newfield and Sari Wilson. So uh, by Press Gang, published by Press Gang. I don't know much about Press Gang. Where are they located? Here in New York? No, they're in, in Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh -huh. They're the um, the official publish the the publishing publish arm outfit. of the uh, MFA department at oh, Butler oh, University. Really? Oh, cool. So uh, oh, yeah, cool. they're, they're uh, it's a they're handsome book, um, and it's a uh, and great story. So uh, go out and get it now. I also want to ask you about some of the other things you guys are doing, um, uh, in particular when you're working together. Uh, now you're going to be doing a comics, a memoir comics workshop, and so tell us a little bit about that. Where and when? That is going to be in uh, late July, early August at the Fine Arts Work Center up in Provincetown, Massachusetts, mm -hmm. which is a very fine, long-standing institution which supports uh, 
visual artists and writers and poets. Mm -hmm. um, they have a year-long fellowship program that Sari was actually a fellow in back in the day, and uh, they also run these summer workshops with really big-name uh, poets, photographers, sculptors, mm -hmm. fiction writers, etc. So for well, that's an art community going way back. Yeah, they're, they're going back to the '60s. Yeah, yeah. and uh, P Town's a really great place. We've done this a couple of times, a couple of summers before this. This is our cool. third year doing the workshop. Mm -hmm. This year we're focusing more on um, doing a, a memoir, an eight-page memoir. So the idea is that uh, people will come in on the first day, and on the fifth day they'll come out with an eight-page cool comic. And uh, you can find out more information at uh, fawc.org and look on their summer program. Um, there's still time to sign up, and uh, we it's a great it's a great project. It's, you get two teachers for the price of one. Um, so Everybody uh, loves a bargain. Yeah, and, great. Uh, we we really look forward to it, and it's it, it should be a fun time. And I also want, also want to ask you about the what is the Soltis Low Residency MFA in comics. So what is that? And okay, yeah. So Solstice Low Residency MFA is uh, is a program that's been about, around for about ten years. Um, they uh, offer an opportunity for people who don't have the means or the uh, the space in their life to do a full-time MFA program mm -hmm. to do this low residency program, which is basically you you can be uh, based anywhere and do the work, but a couple of times a year you go to the actual campus, which is at Pine Manor College outside of Boston, for a, a two-week period where you work directly with your mentor in whatever your discipline is, whether it's mm -hmm. fiction writing, comics, prose, uh, mm -hmm. any of those things. And then the rest of the year you're sending in packets and working one-on-one mm -hmm. -on -one with, um, with your mentor. So they're starting, they've been around for about 10 years. Up till now they've been doing um, uh, literary fiction, uh, creative nonfiction, poetry, and writing for children, but now they're adding a graphic mm. novel, comics concentration, and I'm their first faculty member. So it's awesome. How typical is that of higher education and comics education these years? I mean, we, we know comics, you know, is finding a place in the academy, but uh, it's it's pretty new. The yeah. low residency programs have been around for quite a while, and mm. there's if you Wikipedia it, you'll find that there are you know maybe a hundred different programs like that around the U.S. Um, but the comics element is pretty new. I think there's only one or two other programs out there that have mm. that are offering right. such a similar program. Um, so uh, I, I love being on the ground floor of this. All right. Well, look, you know, uh, look, we could sit here and gab about comics and collaborations all night long. We could um, But you know what we have done though. What I, it's been great talking with you. This has been fabulous. Once again, I want to tell you the book. It's called Flash. Sudden Stories in Comics and Prose, edited by Josh Newfield and Surrey Wilson. Uh, look, thanks so much to the both of you for being on More to Come. Thanks so much for having us, Calvin. It's been such a treat. Thanks, Calvin. You bet.